Welcome to the Candor Communication Podcast, where we discuss interpersonal communication and all the human stuff that gets in the way. Join us as we learn to get our message across with more courage, clarity, and connection. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Divan. Have you ever tried to impress someone you just met? Maybe a potential employer, an investor, or a new client. Maybe a first date. Well, today we talk with Marco Sediari about first impressions, biases, and assumptions. Marco is the Director of Business Development at CareerOne, a leading digital employment brand with candidate matching technology, jobs board, and employer advertising. Marco has previously held roles in recruitment and sales. He is driven by a desire to make a positive impact on the way companies engage with talent in today's market. We hope you enjoy this entertaining conversation with Marco Sediadi. Marco, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, uh, for having me. I uh, really appreciate being here. In your work you've been doing as a recruiter, you've been helping a lot of people to find work. Yes. And you would know the importance of a first impression in an interview. Yes. Can you maybe share an example of the worst first impression that you've had of someone, yeah. but you've ended up recommending them for a job anyway? And, and what kind of advice did you give them for the second interview? I was recruiting for a few years there. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, just before I joined Career One, I was recruiting in sales. So I was recruiting high-end sales roles. And you would imagine that I mean, presentation is, is, is very key because not only do you have to impress me, you're going to be selling for my clients in, in, in the future if you get the job. And so, you know, you really need to kind of fit in with the, the brand and, and, and I guess uh, to be a brand ambassador, I guess, for, for, for that company. Um, and so a lot of, you know, a lot of other recruiters in, in different fields, you know, may have differing opinions, but as a, like an executive sales recruiter, it was all about the, it was all about the, you know, what that first impression was. Um, and uh, I guess uh, y- you can already tell, you know, yeah, showing up on time and things like this, you know, aside, the moment someone comes in uh, and into that interview room, you can already tell, you know, exactly what they're about from, from what they're wearing. To be honest with you, you know, so can if, you share if, some specifics? Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So, if, uh, for example, one time um, I was uh, hiring someone for like a big tech company, and you know, they're always yeah, just your typical kind of business development role. I'm going out there hunting for new business, and I know, you know, that uh, they're going to be selling to you know high end of town kind of engineering firms. And so what, what that requires is obviously a certain kind of class and, and, and kind of a demeanor. And with uh, this, this candidate uh, walked in, and this is the thing, right? This is why you have to bring people in for interviews because you, re- you need to see them so you can visualize them, yes, working there, but at the same time, are they gonna, is, what, what's your client going to think of them, right? I remember this one guy walks in. He sounded so good on the phone. Like he sounded perfect on the phone. It was like radio voice, you know. I asked him all the the, the, the usual questions about how hungry he was and how he wanted to buy a house, like all of these cool things that, you know, you want salespeople to say. Um, and and he, he just sounded so good. You bring him in. I think he had a Cheeto in his beard. Like I, I honestly, um, he, he walked in and I 
I said hi, I think, to someone else, thinking that it was him, because we were in a <laughs> shared office. So I had to. Go, I went down. This is where we used to interview people. It was like you know, lots of companies working together. Um, and yeah, I think I said hi to the guy in a suit, but I had to turn to the left, and there was this guy, you know. And I'm not gonna say like, I'm not gonna say plumber style, you know, bum crack at or something like this. But it, the presentation was out of control. It was like, you know, you, you almost wonder, like, are you taking this seriously? Like, why have you, why have you gone to all this trouble and tra- travel all the way to to the city, uh, and be oblivious? you know, to the way that you present yourself, especially wanting to sell to the, to the high end of town. Um, I get a lot of this. Like, I come across, you know, a lot of this stuff. I've got the mental image of this plumber. And, and, and people, <laughs> <laughs> people are people are qu- quick to judge. I mean, according to yes. this, this study I read by Willis and Todorov, mm. they say that first impressions can be as little as taking one-tenth of a second yeah. based on someone's face and facial facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've, from your experience, are those first impressions super quick? The, the, the way I say it is that what, what you intend to happen and what is perceived as reality is it, it, irrelevant what you intend to happen. So, you know, everyone, you're never going to monitor yourself 100% of the time. 24/7 100% of the time you know you're completely conscious of you know how you're presenting yourself how you're communicating communicating yourself to you know the public world but yeah as as recruiters we pick up on things and even if you did it in 10 to show unprofessionalism, to show that you're lazy, to show that, you know, because you didn't uh, groom your beard on, on that day or to show that you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have the, that attention to detail because you still have, you know, a barbecue sauce on your hands or when you shake my hand, something like this. Um, you know, even if you didn't intend to show that, that is going to, I mean, that's, penal- that's going to penalize you you know, from, from, uh, opportunities. And that, that was one of the, that's one of the biggest, I guess, training points that I always, you know, once a candidate, uh, kind of goes through me and I've vetted them out. I always tell them that forget about me. This is a new dance now, you know, with the company that I'm going to, I'm going to put you forward to. This is going to be a completely brand new first impression. And I tell you right now, if you don't dry your hands, I had this, I had this one kid and I felt, I felt so bad for him. I didn't want to tell him this. And I, when you're preparing people for that interview with clients, you know, you want them to be as well equipped as possible, right? And sometimes you have to have these really, awkward conversations so i had this one kid man this is this is uh he was gonna go into this amazing u.s company you know billion dollar funding you know trying to grow the apac team stationed in sydney very exciting uh he's a bit nervous but he's got a little he's got a thing where his hands really sweaty like really sweaty and i just remember picking up the phone and just Hey mate, I got you an interview. Um, he's like so excited. I'm like, hey, look, man, I gotta, we gotta, we need to have a chat about something here. You know, first impressions are everything, and people are very quick to judge. You got something going on with your hands, man. <laughs> is that do you, do you, is like does he get a little bit sweaty sometimes? And he's like, Marco, you're right. Like it does. You know, it's just it's it's just a natural thing. I'm not even nervous because he's not. This guy is, you know, to be honest with you, he's probably in the top five most 
incredible interviews I've been been in. This 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 grad, like what? Like you know, every answer perfect. You know, um, very clever as well. But yeah, I told him to. <laughs> I told him to. Hey man, just remember when you shake hands with the director, you're gonna need to just dry that. Like, make sure you got like a tissue in your pocket or something, <laughs> and just make sure that you know that 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 happens uh, before you shake. So you know, people. That's what I love. That's what I loved about when when I was doing recruitment. It was to be honest with you, it was like giving people insight on exactly what you just, what you were just talking about, Mark. Because I think once again, even if you don't intend it, like I said. Perception is reality. You, you have, unfortunately, that's just what it is. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to have sweaty hands and make you feel uncomfortable. But unfortunately, that's what it is. And I guess as a recruiter, you get to really guide people through that and give people that, uh, that awareness that I guess most of us, well, I don't know. I don't think most of us have that. And even when I was getting rejected plenty, by the way, myself applying for jobs, I just wish I had someone to you know, to tell me these things. I, I can't help but think Mr. Sweaty Hands, guys, or don't, wouldn't have to worry about that in this current COVID situation. With the elbow. And, and it's really funny for, for some reason. So uh, with this particular company that I was recruiting for, I actually, had, there's another really funny one, just real quick. Um, there was another, another, another guy that I put in there. And it was not the sweatiness of the hand. His hand was perfectly dry. He just didn't know how to shake a hand. Like I've had a lot of, I've got a few candidates, especially juniors, but even some seniors. Like like a, a dead fish kind of shape. A limp, like a limp fish, guys. You know, like no eye contact, limp fish handshake. It's almost like, it's almost like he, he wants you to kiss his hand. Like, you know, when the lady back in the Jane Austen days are like, you know, it's like, and then you like expect it, but you're just shaking it really awkwardly. Um, I mean, hey guys, I mean, th- that's, a, I mean, that's a good one right there. Handshakes, communication, handshake, eye contact. You haven't even said anything. And just from the, the the handshake the the, the eye contact the, the the respect the like you know the levels are we are we on the same level here the eye contact's actually the most important thing it's also your position as that person is approaching you for the handshake there's true art with this um every time I go to a meeting for example because I want to you know be uh, not be at a I don't want to say at a disadvantage or a low level but it is you know physically that's what it looks like I never sit down. When I'm waiting for, for, for a meeting, when, I'm, when I tell my guys to go to interview, you're always standing up. Because when they come approach you, you don't want to be standing up and then suddenly, you know, going towards them, shaking their hand. You want to be on the same level so you can have that strong eye contact. Yes, yeah, so all of this is great. Um, handshakes, eye contacts, the, the plumber who should have worn his suit. Uh, <laughs> and all these things I can't help but think about, and especially for our listeners, when does the interview actually start? You know, yeah. many people think uh, they're, they're preparing their questions, they, they've gone through the STAR method, they're ready to go with all these challenging questions that they're going to get. But but as a recruiter, all these things we're talking about, the, the eye contact, the hair shank, shank the dress, um, standing up, being ready. Can you can you remind our listeners, when, when does the interview really start? For yeah, example? well, it's very interesting. So, um, so I work for a recruitment firm. I wasn't working for like a corporate, you know, recruiting for a corp, like, you know, a direct... I- uh, internal recruiter, so to speak. Um, so with recruitment firms, uh, what we like to do is register our, our candidates. So when they when they come into the office, they will sit down, we'll give them an iPad, 
um, and they will, you know, just put in their names, maybe put in a few references. You know, these, these are just very typical tactics of, you know, having that data so we can reach out to them again in the future. You know, should, should they, should, you know, we not be able to provide a job for them now, um, keep them close to us. And the interview starts there, really, in terms of that physical uh, stuff, because uh, the whoever answers the door and, and gives the candidate the, the, the iPad has already started judging the candidate. And by the time they, they, they go to my desk, which I'm already expecting this interview to, you know, to happen, I'm already asking all the questions. I'm already asking all the questions. What do they present like? How was the handshake? Uh, how's the, 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 the demeanor? Manners. Uh, would you like a water? Yes, please. You know, uh, are they standing around? You know, the way they are, uh, my colleagues are also recruiters. So they're already judging them for me. And so as I'm coming into the interview, I can really, you know, I can really grill grill into that if that is a concern. Now, what I will say, sadly, and this goes all the way back to that first impression thing that you were talking about, Mark, is that people get disqualified at the iPad um, at the iPad level. Like how, how, how does that happen? Well, I mean, obviously it's to do with the trust of the recruiters that you're working with, right? I mean, I'm already speaking to one of my, my, my close colleagues over here who's recruited, you know, for a long time as well. And then they're a good judge of character. You have to be a good judge of character when you're a recruiter. And just from, just from a f- immediate feedback, from from one of your colleagues because they just happen to welcome them. even the receptionist who's just welcomed them in even feedback from her says it all can say it all or gives you a slight for lack of better word you know uh, alertness i don't want to say prejudice but you know it does it makes you prejudge someone before they've even spoken to you i've heard this before where people say that you can judge someone their character not by how they treat the people that are respected but by the people who are generally have less respect in society so maybe the receptionist for example is not someone you're trying to impress intentionally you're trying to impress the recruiter yes but that gives a much better insight into your real character right it's who you how you treat people generally right that's a perfect point let's talk about dress code because uh, and this is something that whenever i've gone for an interview it's like do i wear a tie do I not wear a tie? Uh, and I've I've heard uh, people like say Peter Thiel, who's um, in kind of Silicon Valley, and I've read a book where he said they're just disqualified anyone who walks in with a suit. You know, if you're a founder, you look like you wear jeans and a t-shirt. Like that's what a tech founder looks like. And if you come in with a suit, you know, we, we don't want to fund you. How does how do you, how do you dress for the for the interview? Like what is the how do you hit the right note? Yeah, look, this is obviously this might be a cop out answer, but you know, you've got to be a chameleon, um, whether in, in, in business or, um, you know, especially when you're going in for an interview. You know, it's literally, as we were talking about, it's, it's all, it's not about the intention, it's about what's perceived as reality. I keep going back to this, but that's literally, is like, this has been the biggest awakening for me, anyways, on especially, you know, go, being a recruiter. It's that, you have to intentionally dress for the occasion. You can't just, it's not one size fits all. So how would, as, as a candidate, and I'm, I'm going in for an interview, how would I figure out what that right dress code is for that company I'm going for? How, how do I get a feel for that? To answer your question, you need to do your research really well. And this goes for me as well. You know, I, I'm dealing with, uh, at the moment, you know, I'm selling 
to uh, recruiters, whether you know uh, corporate recruiters, internal recruiters, or, or agency, you know, recruitment firms. And I need to you know go with what what the guys are what the guys are doing. Uh, if if I'm going to you know a level. 40 Barangaroo Tower, Tower A as I did, you know, two weeks ago, you know, I, I definitely wore my suit jacket. But if I am talking to your kind of uh, more relaxed, you know, co-working space recruiter, I might wear some chinos. I might uh, grow out, uh, you know, have a little bit of a filthy mo, which I can't, I'm Asian, so I can't really grow facial hair. That's a lie. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely uh, go with the time. Interestingly, though, because I work for Career One, you know, we're, we're a jobs website, but we're becoming, not becoming, we are a, a HR tech company uh, pretty much. You know, uh, we're, we're creating a lot of tools out there to to pretty much be, we're like a tech company. Our uh, web development team is like, seven times our sales team or even bigger right um so we're, we're a full-blown tech company and so now intentionally i am uh, going to meetings yes i'll wear my suit pants uh and, and and maybe my suit jacket but i'll wear my t-shirt my career one t-shirt because i want to convey that i am a silicon valley uh you know kind of startup-y vibes tech hip kind of uh, company which we are um, and so we want to get people to kind of lower their guard a bit more. When you say that, um, something comes to mind for me, and it's when you've made a bad first impression, and it could be by the way you've dressed, you you, you did the research perhaps, and you just got it wrong. You're like, okay, I'm underdressed here. And this has happened to me as well, where uh, presenting thesis posters at the end of my degree, and I rocked up like I do every other day for uni, just a uh, t-shirt and jeans, and I didn't get the moment, but everyone else dressed up in suits. <laughs> so, you know, what if if you are the guy who walks in and you, you've got it wrong, you've made a bad first impression just from how you dress, let's say. Is there a way back and how oh, how do you how do you do that? 100%. But unfortunately, this is out of the hands of the your confidant, your recruiter, you know, the person that's guiding you. You're going to have to think kind of on your feet, but hey, look, Devon, I've done that myself as well. And and there's nothing that a little you know, a little humor to kind of break the break, break the, the, the atmosphere, break the awkward silence, uh, you know, to, to just showing to, to, to self-awareness sh- that to I know I've got this wrong. Correct. Right. If, if, if you can, if you can admit, like I've done it before, I'm like, Oh, okay. I see how it is. I see, you know, um, uh, people love that. People love that. You can make fun of yourself. Self-awareness. Yeah. Perfect. And I think that's great. Just acknowledging the situation one thing for me that um, very much supersedes dress even, and I'm just reflecting on one of my favorite books that I have in my hand, How to Win Friends and Influence People yeah, by Dale, Dale, yeah, Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. It has a chapter actually called A Simple Way to Make a Good First Impression. Yes. And, and, it, talks, and it talks about in that chapter the importance of a smile. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and I just want to read a, a quote from the book, and it says, it's an old Chinese proverb, a man without a smiling face must not open a shop how important is is that smile and, and that smile early in that in that meeting for you oh definitely um i think i think the idea is that do you want to be here i think i think it's it's it's, it's that simple and you know things like a smile firm handshake eye contact is all to do with engagement and 
these are non you know these are non-verbal engagement as well so you got to play that game first before you can start talking and then that's a whole other party um when you know they start you start getting grilled you know with, with interviews but yeah it, you 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 need to show that you are that you want to be there and there's nothing better than to you know show show that that a bit of happiness but like but i never tell people to fake that you know you know what i mean like it has it has like that's my that was my job as a recruiter like if i know that you didn't want to do that you probably wouldn't even be in the interview in the first place to fake smile you know i want you to want it and that will bring that will bring that 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 joy out that excitement i guess out as well yeah that's that's really good advice actually but people do get nervous right obviously so yeah sometimes you're just gonna have to right yeah so as in people to, people go in this too nervous they forget to smile <laughs> that's the issue and that, that was like the, the hardest thing to balance right when you when you're let's when you're trying to you end up getting really not really but you end up getting attached to your candidates like you know you've gone through this journey with them and you they really want the job and that's going to be a big change because they can you know send their kids to private school i don't know like something really nice like that or i don't know like something that's really important to them it's going to really impact their family so you get you get attached to them and so you want to prepare them you want to prepare them for the interview but you don't want to over prepare them and i think that's when the issues happen and i've made that mistake before where i'm like you know, and if the coffee is at 35 degrees, then, you know, it's like, like, it's like no, um, don't right, worry so, but, about that. But overthinking, you can They're come gonna, across you, as fake. You're going to you're going to cause your candidate to overthink and because you're overthinking right. and you're like, oh, don't do this. And if they say this, it's like, no, like you got to let it happen organically. You give them as much guidance as you can and you just let them make their own choices. Um, but yeah, you can over prepare as well. Moving slightly sideways, we're we're in a current uh, economic situation that's that's quite tough at the moment. I imagine many candidates are looking for work or will be looking for work in in the months to come. Now, a lot of the interview process may have moved to a virtual style interview, and how do these first impression rules and things about eye contact and dress and smiling apply to the virtual interview? Is, is there anything that changes in a virtual interview when it comes to first impressions? Yeah, look, I don't think uh, many things change, you know, visually. To impress people, you've got to have a conversation, you know, just like this. You've got to be engaging. You can still be engaging over Zoom or, or you know, Hangouts or whatever. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But yes, I mean, for me personally, it, it is, it would be tough with not having that physical uh, interaction to be honest with you, I mean, the, the the job of the recruiter is not to qualify in. The job of a recruiter is to qualify out. Like, I want to find everything about you to disqualify you from this role. That's the job because I want to find the absolute, you know, the, the right person for this. So, you know, uh, from the recruiter's perspective, you know, yeah, I would definitely much, much prefer that I'm there. You know, I've got a few, I've got actually a few mates who are counselors and it's pretty, you know, they couldn't really see, I mean, they can see people again now in the flesh, but they couldn't for a while. That's really, it was really difficult, you know, for therapy and things like that, trying to get people over gambling. I think one of my, uh, one of my mates is a, is a, is a counselor for gambling. You want to see them. You want to hear their breaths. You want to. You want to really. You know. And for a recruiter, I want to refine you. I want to put you through the fire, so to speak. You know. I want to. I want to know if if, if I look at this, are you going to squirm? I don't want you to have a, a cheat sheet. 
You can have a cheat sheet when you're on Zoom. You know, if you're doing a phone interview, you can have a cheat sheet. Just like knowing how you're going to answer certain things. You don't want that. You want it to be really organic. You want it to just be a free-flowing conversation. So that's taken away, you know, on, on, that, on that side of things. And, but on the candidate side of things, I liken it to like sports. Like I feel like at the moment there are a few sports with no crowds. Like I'm a big NBA supporter. I'm a massive basketball guy. And certain players, certain teams are doing really well because there are no crowds because it's not there's no one there so they're in their element and they could they could take they take advantage of it and they're, they're overperforming and you've never thought that they were this good but i guess there was a psychological barrier to them performing under under dress under like a big crowd people booing you things like this i liken it to that i think on the candidate side some candidates are going to really love this they're going to thrive in this because they're just in the element in their underwear but obviously suit on top <laughs> uh you know a proper you know a professional shirt or something like that on top um but they're going to be in the element in their rooms you know yeah with a cheat sheet why not you've prepared for that and and you're going to do really well you know in the interview the only thing though is that obviously it just depends on where the company is heading you know, some people are very suited to the work from home uh, side style, and so that's okay. But if you're, how are you going to get culture fit through Zoom? I don't know. So you mentioned your job as a recruiter wouldn't be to qualify them for the job, but to disqualify them. You're right. basically trying to ask yourself, why is this person not a good fit? Correct. And I read something recently that recruiters will have to go through so many resumes now that it takes them on average about six seconds to look at a resume correct yeah so to me that sounds like you'd have to have a lot of shortcuts to kind of separate the wheat from the from the chaff so what kind of shortcuts do people use and and what what to be aware of because i'm just thinking there are many assumptions i think that probably are made in those first six seconds what kind of assumptions you know could get in the way of finding good talent there is a technology piece to that as well that not a lot of people know but in terms of um, you know human on human like a human recruiter obviously fading through a resume yes we go through you know i remember going through so uh, many resumes and you just don't have time to read the whole thing right and so um there are certain disqualifies immediately in your head as you mentioned devon and 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 i'll give you one example i recruited for a few uh, american companies American companies care about degrees. They care about degrees. I look at a resume. They don't have a degree. That's it. I move on to the next. You know, it's unfortunate. It might be a really good... Maybe, look, the good recruiters, They obviously you're looking at several other things as well. Someone might be good for, for a different role. You know, it might not be the one that they applied for, so that's okay. But, you know, that's a massive disqualifier. As I was mentioning before, um, culture fit is, is, is massive. Culture fit is massive. You can, it's like you can already see that person dressed up in front of you before you've even seen them dressed up in front of you. And, and the way I look at that is, you know, uh, what, what they've done, when they've graduated, you know, things like this, you know, really, really play a massive role. You know, if, if, if I'm um, hiring for an insurance company where everyone's, you know, 25 and below and they don't even know what dial-up internet is and it's like a super young culture. 
it's going to be of a debt to a detriment of, of someone who's, you know, 40 or, 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 or like me, even me, you know, 30s, you know, hanging out with these like uh, millennials or maybe I'm still a millennial, but you know, you know what I mean? And not meshing. You can already know that. And you'll know that when, when they graduated in high school, you know, things like that. Whereas, you know, I want to hire someone for like a financial services role and they've got like that similar, you know, degree background as the team. Oh, he plays, he plays football on the weekends. You know, I know that my client loves Liverpool, whatever. Um, you know, off, off we go. So we just look at that like straight away. And the other really important thing is tenure as well. Are they committed to the role? Have they given it a fair go? Is it mysterious that they keep jumping every four months? You know, it's really important that you, you stick it out like at, at a role. And then, of course, the most important thing, it's like your most recent job, is it relevant? Like, yeah, that's pretty quick, right? It's like primary school teacher. Oh, primary school teacher. Okay, yeah, good. Like it, it's pretty quick. So, yeah, I reckon six seconds is, uh, I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's a unrealistic. I think that's, that's probably, you know, how quick you, you, you would go through, you know, just three different facts. I think it's really interesting the the kind of quick judgments that we make, the quick assumptions, the the quick things that click with us or, or don't click. Uh, ten, tenure, for example, is a really interesting one. I remember, you know, being being taught myself that if someone hasn't worked in a company at least three years, four years, you start questioning why are they moving so early. Then I also think about the younger generation who seem to want to hop jobs. Oh, we're super a bit fast. jumpy. We, yeah, uh, we are, <laughs> tell yeah, me about that. Quite, quite jumpy. Well, look, um, I think. If they're good enough, then you'll interview them and that's when you'll find out. That's when you'll find out. However, unfortunately, we just don't have time for that. You know, if we need to fill a role, you know, when you're recruiting, you need to fill a role, ASAP, like you just don't have time for that. So they're disqualified immediately, especially if you're jumpy, you know, I'll make a note on my CRM, you know, that this person is really jumpy. It's the same thing. Like I've made that mistake as well of wasting my time um, when I was obviously just starting out. And there, there, are, there are certain, I don't know, um, I guess, traits that you use, you know, patterns that you know. It's always the manager's fault. Uh, you know, conflict here, conflict there. Oh, I was sick here. Oh, but I, you know, went to went on a holiday, whatever. I was like, well, that's ridiculous because if I place you at this company... And then you go on a holiday because you've like worked for you only want to work for five months and you, off you go on, a, on another big Greek holiday or whatever. You know I'm gonna be I'm gonna look. You know it's a representation representation extension of myself, my reputation as, as a recruiter as well. And so th- that's why the, the you know the tenure piece is really important. I do want to touch base really quickly on the, on the CRM piece, uh, the tech piece that I was mentioning, because recruiters have to go through thousands of CVs. We don't have time to like print out every CV. And then read them one by one with a highlighter. Like that's just not how it works. We use technology. We leverage technology to make things real quick for us. And so even before a recruiter is reading it, I would say to to listeners who are you know um, you're looking to apply for a role to think of it on a perspective of that 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 process and think how readable is my resume in the first place by machine learning by AI. Right, because you, you when you submit when you submit your application, it's not like 
goes into the printer and I'm, I'm reading it in front of me. No, it goes through uh, an applicant tracking system, most most likely, which will process these resumes. It will parse out the words from your resume into the CRM. And then I go to my CRM and then I look at it. If your resume is a beautiful Canva resume or something like that, that looks pretty and it's scented with rose perfume, fantastic. However, that's not the world we live in anymore, right? If it cannot be read by by the CRM, if it cannot be parsed, like especially the important information, like if you have a university degree or your tenure or things like that, it's going to come out really funny on my, on my end. And then I'm going to disqualify you straight away just because your resume, uh, you know, wasn't communicated well enough through my CRM. So there's a mischievous part of my brain happening now. I don't know about you, Devon. There's a mischievous part of my brain saying, I'm applying for a job. I look at the job description. I understand the key words that this machine's going to look at. And I just put them at the bottom of my resume. I just put them as a little paragraph, all the keywords, bang, 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 bang. I know the machine is going to find those words. My resume moves to the next stage. Why not? Is that cheeky? <laughs> Why not? I mean, look, it's, it's not cheeky because no one is doing it. Um, I mean, that's a really great idea, Mark. I mean, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people are doing, you know, are not tailoring their CV enough to the, the context. And the context right now is that your resume needs to be able to be read by technology so that it goes through to the recruiter, whether internal or recruitment firm or agency, and then they can actually go through, you know, your profile and give you your, your, your due diligence. You know, one thing I was wanted to mention is, that, um, you know, when that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are coming on our platform on Career One is because we do give you a resume score, you know, when, when as, as a candidate, not like resume score of, Good, good job. You've been a CFO before. Fantastic. 100%. You know, no, it's like 88% because you've mentioned your phone number, your address, where you, where you want, you know, your availabilities. It's clear what your name is, you know, uh, your work rights, you know, things like this that, well, technology is helping recruiters with now. Because to be honest with you, that stuff like work rights is a massive disqualifier. Look, most of my clients, unfortunately, you're going to need a PR or citizenship or Australia or New Zealand citizenship to work in, you know, in a specific company, for example. Immediately, I've, I've, I've chucked your, your, your resume out. That's cool. I wasn't even aware that Career One had that. So that, that is really interesting because yeah, you so get feedback because I think that's yeah. what a lot of candidates don't get is they send it into the machine and nothing comes out and they just never know, well, at what point did it, did it Chuck, did I, did I get disqualified? Was it the machine? Right. Was it the right. recruiter? What did I actually do wrong? Exactly. And and we're trying to, you know, uh, and I'll, st I'll stop plugging it, you know, after this. Um, uh, but I am, you know, uh, obviously I'm very passionate about it. But we're, we're trying to give the ca the candidates the best experience possible. And obviously during a pandemic, this is like the, the, the highest volumes of candidates that we're getting, right? A lot of people are being let off, unfortunately, and, and looking for new roles. We are very candidate-centric, you know, with the Career One platform. And, and not only will you get like a resume kind of, uh, you know, a percentage of how readable it is from 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 our AI machine learning. Well, we we actually give match scores for yourself to the jobs that you're looking at, as well. So it really does give you a, an understanding of why you you suit. And as you were mentioning there before, there, Mark, if you have the right, you know, five skills, that's going to get passed onto the five skills that that company has mentioned that you need. And therefore, you'll have a better match rating. That's one way that technology is going to help kind of shortcut the process. But I will stress, you need recruiters. You need humans to go over this. Okay, this is only like a tool. The, all this non-verbal stuff we were talking about, first impression, a machine cannot look at that. This is just to help uh, the process and obviously help educate the candidates as well. So 
part of what I'm thinking there is you've mentioned quite a few conscious assumptions or prejudices or biases even, but what about, say, unconscious biases? We, we all think or have the intention or the best of intentions to keep an open mind, but what about stuff like the person is currently unemployed? How does that weigh in on a recruiter's mind when they're dis- deciding whether to disqualify or qualify and there are heaps of other biases out there as well that we can talk to. Um, but how, how do how does unconscious bias play into this? It's all to do with process. I think it's all to do with process. The resume side of things is maybe, yeah, you just have to kind of live with it. Like sometimes you, we're humans, we'll make mistakes, we'll miss out on good candidates, it happens. But it just depends on how thorough your process is because you are self-aware. You are aware that there are things which you're preconditioned to kind of think and therefore will disqualify someone, right? So you want to be as objective as possible, but you you know yourself as well. And that's why, like, for example, where I used to work at before, we used to have like a three-touch point policy, really, where they would speak to at least two different recruiters and really kind of um, get vetted, especially if someone's 50-50. Because I was one of the senior or 360 recruiters you can say like i was handling both the candidates and the clients Um, i did have the autonomy to just like go for it if i wanted to but i do always you know ask for opinion and 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 always have the process like the process has to be has to be very clean even when you're interviewing someone the the way yes someone is unemployed but some people do have good, good reasons for that right you have to have a little bit of empathy there as well but yes, uh, because we've seen so many resumes, we've heard all the stories, we know what, you know, what's happening. We've got shortcuts in our brain. We've got these unconscious shortcuts that helps with our unconscious biases that immediately gives us that red flag or, or we see the green light. One thing I will say is that um, it's really funny. Me and my previous director, we made this thing called the rules of recruitment or like the recruitment Bible. The, the first rule of recruitment, that's the only thing I'm going to mention, is that everyone lies. The first rule of recruitment is that everyone lies. So it is up to us to be very, you know, use our instincts, be very, you know, be very thorough anyways in the way that we do we do our work because everyone lies and then you want to be the first one to find out about things before your client finds out. And it's it sucks because you get very, you know... <laughs> your level of trust you get a bit paranoid and things like that you know I, I started off doing construction recruitment and that was the first thing it was a really rough gig and my goodness lots of lies there that was that was crazy I'll call people up because they're going to start at 6am and I'll be like hey I'm, uh, wishing you well on your way to work on Monday at 6am oh sorry man I got a stomach bug you know I'm like mate I know what you did I know you had a party, full full party weekend. You know, I had to deal with that, you know, a lot. Everybody lies. I think this concept of lying is fascinating, but I just want to park that for a second and come back to this. What does the recruitment industry do in terms of removing bias from the equation? And I can't help but think about a, a fairly a well-known concept, the concept of the, of the blind audition. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but the, the blind audition had started because male singers were being preferred over female singers in in orchestras um, when they were being when they were being selected so they came up with this concept of putting them behind a curtain so the people who were selecting couldn't see whether they were male or female and in the initial the initial the first time they did it the male singers were still getting selected and when they dug into it it, it was a simple thing that the females were wearing high heels 
And so there was this somewhat unconscious bias happening that they could hear the female singer with their high heels coming on stage and automatically this was not going to be as good as the male. So as they evolved the concept, there was going to be no shoes. And once they removed the shoes completely, the amount of men and female selected started to all of a sudden become a lot more balanced. Yeah. And I think the shows like The Voice now have come, come up with that sort of concept where they're not going to see the person, they're going to have the, the, their chairs turned yeah. and then turn around so that they're not making the decision with all these biases uh, and these assumptions in our mind. From the recruitment side of things, is there any sort of processes that you've been privy to where you've seen recruitment companies starting to do things to remove the bias where they may yeah. not be looking for some of those traditional things in the first instance? Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that. There's a few ways to kind of go about it. I think first and foremost, in terms of like a blind audition, that's your phone. That's what your phone interview is for. In terms of biases though, and take it as you will, but we have to be, um, you know, there's always going to be that, that, that bias. And, and, and at the end of the day, you don't want to, you don't want to like discriminate and, and, and obviously, you know, give a selective treatment or something like that. That is definitely not what you want to do. Everyone gets a fair go, which is why you have public job boards like a career one, you know, like indeed all, all the other ones that are, that are, that are there. Uh, it's very, you know, anyone can apply, anyone and everyone can apply to it. But as a recruiter, your job is to really refine that. And, and, and to be honest with you, you need to come with as much skepticism as possible going in, into, in, into the interview process, or into the, the vetting process, into the sourcing of the candidate process. Each client will have their preferences. They will have their order, so to speak, like, like in a restaurant, you know. If they want a shrimp salad, hold the shrimp. But like you get some, some very weird requests. But that's what they pay you for. That's what they pay you for. Now, the good news is that technology is getting better. So a lot of companies are using different assessment uh, methodologies, whether it's psychometric testing, you know, whether it's the Wonderlick test, things like this that, that's, gonna, that's trying to make it an objective kind of a selection choice as well. And also, like, society is, is a lot more in inclusive now, to be honest with you. And, and a lot of the, the really, really large companies have really embraced diversity. And so people are starting to, people are really definitely, you know, kind of trending towards that, that kind of, you know, everyone's welcome. But not everyone's welcomed. You know, not everyone's welcome, you know. Like I mentioned, culture fit's so important that, like, you, you, you have to, you have to impose the, the, the criteria is in which the company and your client wants onto the candidates and whatever happens, happens. When you said diversity and, and culture fit, that tension seems very obvious to me. How do you find that right balance between culture fit to fitting in with the organization but still having enough diversity so that there's a diversity of ideas and perspectives? Because if you just all hire the same type of people, they'll get the same type of ideas and that could be very limiting as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes, you know, that goes with, you know, the kind of level of, you know, clarity, uh, the level of kind of the direct line of communication and, and relationship you have with the hiring managers. So with your clients, right? Because when, when you're recruiting, you know, you're not just like just chucking people in front of people. 
anyone can do that you're a trusted ally you know you're an advisor so to speak you know to what their team needs next and you, you definitely would have that that conversation and, and everyone's you know everyone's very privy to this kind of knowledge of of of, of understanding you it's just simple economics, isn't it? It's just like, you know, it's just simple trade economics, kind of the benefits of trading. Like you need to have many different components to make one greater components as opposed to all having the same thing. Although some clients, stubborn as they may, you know, maybe they, they do want that. And, and that's okay because certain roles just require you to just head down and just go do it, right? It's not going to require collaboration or things like that. So, so that's okay. But yeah, as you start getting to more senior roles, as I was doing sales, yeah, you need uh, you you definitely need a, a diverse group of people, and that's a conversation that you need to have that you will have w w with your managers. As I was saying though, the good news is that people are so woke to this, if you want to say, like they are very aware of of, of what they're going to do to, to to you know what they need to to make that office you know make that work environment dynamic. And so I haven't, I haven't had too much of an issue, but yeah, like sometimes I've had to tell clients off. I have to just be like, look, I don't think that's allowed. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can say what you just said to me. You need, everyone gets a fair go, um, obviously. But that's really interesting, the, the, the blind audition things. Hopefully someone, I think testing and technology is, is really doing that because then you see the test first. And then you and then you go through the process, so you don't even know. The only issue is just ah, keep going back to culture fit. You could be brilliant, but if you don't mesh with your team, you're gonna you're not gonna be productive. Everyone's gonna be miserable. Everyone's gonna be miserable. So, what is something that candidates can do to not disqualify themselves unnecessarily? So, because employers now have more visibility than ever to not just look at your resume, to drill into your personal life, with social media, all of that. What are ways that candidates can avoid some of the pitfalls that some of the employers, you know, in terms of their biases that they do hold? How sure. can they avoid that? Yeah, well, look, I think step one, knowing that this is a pitfall, uh, you know, knowing that this exists, that it takes six seconds for uh, for a recruiter to read your resume and then also even when you get through that you know they're going to look at all this stuff so how have you you know formatted your resume <laughs> even after that the reception is going to judge you and then the receptionist uh, is going to talk to mark who's the boss and then he's going to be like have this bad impression already before you even started you know if you're aware of all of these things you can be start being intentional right and and one of the things that that a lot of my candidates i remember was very shocked with was the the access that everyone has to you the access that everyone has to you we're talking about communication and, and obviously we're speaking to each other it's very easy we're communicating with you no 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 you are now because of social media because of the internet you are communicating to people 24 7 365 days you, 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 you are 100 percent of the time you are in communication with someone because you're always out there and so uh, i tell my candidates Hey, by the way, I looked at your Facebook. It's you putting up the rude finger. Like my my client's gonna see that, and you're you're not gonna even get a first interview. Change that, please. Everything once you start being intentional, knowing where you are, and, and it's mainly social media. Let's face it. That's when you start. That's when you start really just making sure that hey, you've given it your best shot.
you know, it's really funny. Um, I think we're all on on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, 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 I, go, I go pretty hard on LinkedIn. And that's the advice I would have given, like, my younger self. Jump on, like, jump on a thing like LinkedIn. Like, it's just the easiest way to have that, you know, that footprint, that digital footprint of who you are, where you've been, the people that you are associated with. You know, people look at your mutual connections, things like that, right? And, you know, having a platform like that is, is the sure, like, it's the easiest way to communicate that you are a professional and you are ready to go. But it just depends on the industry, you know? It depends, it, it really depends on the industry. All the trainees I work with, you know, didn't have a LinkedIn. In that world, who cares how you present? I really like what you said before about every interaction is important. Uh, I, I must say, you know, before I came here today, I thought I'm meeting with someone from the recruitment industry. I better have a shave. Every interaction is an interview as such. We talk about our interactions on LinkedIn. People are looking at us. We talk about our social media. People are judging us, making assessments. And this, this uh, concept of being intentional, I think, is a, a really important concept, especially knowing that biases exist they they are out there they are real people are going to have biases now from a candidate point of view how do we be as intentional intentional as possible and one of the stories that really clicks in my in my mind is i think about my grandmother's parents my grandmother's parents were born in british ruled india and my grandmother's father's surname was a fernandez and her mother's surname was grant now, if you're working in British-ruled India a hundred odd years ago, uh, then you're much you have much better job on, um, prospects being a Grant than a Fernandez. So he changed his name from Fernandez to Grant purely for employment reasons, and this is many, 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 many years ago. I wonder, but today, does your name on the resume matter? Do in that first six seconds, is that a bias? And what do we do? First, first, is it a bias? Do we change our names? Honestly, I think it is. I think it is. Because once again, culture fit with the company, biases, not even bias, like I'm too lazy to see if they've got work rights. I don't know, right? People do take that into account. I think less and less though. I think less and less. We're very multicultural. I've got a pretty ridiculous, not ridiculous, Setiati. It's a bit of a weird surname. No one knows where I'm from. I'm, I'm Asian, but I look Mexican, you know, for example. <laughs> um, uh, you know, yeah, people look at that and, 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 and maybe they get thrown off. But we've got social media. And as a recruiter, the first thing I do if I'm curious, if you've got the right expertise, I'm not going to judge you on your name. I'm going to type it in, though. I'm going to type it in. If I, if I cannot find you, I'm a little bit worried. Does that mean that you have no local experience? Does that mean this? Does that mean that? I, I'm dealing with plenty of executives now who's got wild names, like super Arabic, super Asian, whatever, like names. No problems, right? But the first thing that you're going to do when, when you vet someone is you're going to look at that, like where they've been, who they are. And the easiest way is you go on their Instagram, you know, you go, you go on, the, on, on their LinkedIn, you go on their Facebook. And that has really, well, I'm hoping, but I think that's really stopped a lot of that, that dis name discrimination. Which, to be honest with you, I thought I was getting when I, you know, ages, you know, a decade ago when I, when I started, you know, getting rejected or applying for so many roles. But do you really do that in the first six seconds? In the first six seconds, are you going to jump on social media? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. 
to be honest with you, I'm not looking at the name in the first six seconds. I think there's other disqualifiers that's going to disqualify you before before your name, uh, namely like you know you've done the the like relevant experience. You can just see that from the last two jobs, and then immediately you see their tenure as well. That probably that'll take you a couple of seconds, and then you go to their education, and then you know like. Yeah, yeah, you know, like how old how old they are and, and and things like that. You know that that like unfortunately that plays a part, but not really as well, because everyone's really inclusive nowadays, and it's all about the energy. It's all about the culture fit. So I've had older candidates before get angry with me, like, oh my gosh, it's because because you know I'm mid thirties, you know, uh, well, this is why I'm like, look, you can speculate all you want, like we can't control, we can't control, but like it makes sense that this was a culture fit like thing right here. Heck, I wouldn't enjoy working there either. And then they understand. So, you know, it, it goes kind of beyond that. But that's a really good question about the name. That is that is so powerful. You know, I'm, I'm Chinese ethnic Indonesian. So I'm Indonesian, but my family is uh, like, yeah, pretty much fully Chinese, uh, both sides. But on my dad's side, it's like six generations. And w- my surname is like, a Johnson in Indonesia. You know, it's like the most common Indonesian surname. And I think that has a lot to do with, there you go, uh, you know, business, assimilation, fitting in. Yeah, definitely. So one, one thing that I want to come back to that you mentioned is that everyone lies. Every, everyone lies, yes. And what Mark's story kind of prompts that as well. So is So it does feel often that as a candidate, the odds are stacked against you. There are so many resumes out there. You like you know that there's going to be biases out there, that and you can do something about something. You can be intentional, but where is the line between being intentional about how you present yourself and putting your first foot forward? You know, changing your name. Where, where is the line between perception and lying? And you know how prevalent is lying? And can you speak to that? Look, I think at the end of the day, you should never lie. Uh, you know, in the in 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 an in an interview, like you know, when, so when, so when why is that? Like, w- why would you say that? Because you say everyone does it, but why why shouldn't they? They shouldn't because eventually it does catch catch on. Okay, um, for example, I used to um, hire a fair bit for a financial services company. In financial services, um, you don't just get the job. Yeah, you can be a good salesperson, fantastic. You can earn well, great. You're giving financial advice to people. What does that mean? Oh yeah, credit check, police check. You can't escape that, right? And I and I don't remember people even after I go. Right now, you got to be straight with me. I'm about to put you forward for this thing right here, and you you need you need to tell me, can you, you know, like do you have a criminal record? Do you do? No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm all good. It doesn't matter. Like, you'll come back and come say, it's really funny. One time, uh, one of my colleagues placed this guy and he started working at this financial services company for like maybe a month before or two weeks, let's say two weeks, between two weeks to a month before his police check came back. And it came back terrible, man. The guy was apparently stole planes. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. There was this one guy, he, he was so good. And, you know, I was like, and this was my fault as a recruiter right there. I wasn't thorough enough. I didn't follow my process. I forgot to ask him this question. So I've set up the interview for him. I forgot, I was like, dang it, I forgot to ask. So I asked him, hey man, just real quick, do you have any misdemeanors? Do you have any? Do you have anything? And he's like, oh yeah, look, uh, I had a like, assault battery uh, charge. Uh, me and my mom going to a... Uh, you and your mom? <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Um, and so I had to pull them out. I looked like an idiot as well. You'd be so shocked, Devon. You'd be so shocked at how how far people will go to lie, just because they think they want to show that intention, but then they 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 just they just want to get it. And that and that's why you have your process. That's why you have your interview process. That's why you ask questions in 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 a certain way because that's a big part of communication, isn't it? That's a big part of communication. Mm. It's like being that good judge of, of 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 lies, right? I think as you as you say that, it, it seems to me that the best way to be intentional is not about what you say or how you present yourself, but how how you actually act every day. Because it's the character that eventually creates a credibility, so you don't have to lie. <laughs> so that would probably be the best advice: is just be a good human being, work on your character every day, as opposed to trying to be something you're not. You'd rather ask yourself, why aren't you that, and start being that. So yeah. can I play devil's advocate? This is this yeah. is a great conversation. Yeah. Tell me about your biggest weakness. Classic interview question. Tell yeah. me about your biggest weakness. What was your most recent salary? Classic questions I think of where when I first started going for job interviews, there was the right answer to give as opposed to the honest answer to give. Yeah. So let's just pick any of those questions. Tell me about your biggest weakness. I was taught, well, you've got to pick something that you can then say, you know, this, uh, my weakness was computer skills and I've since done a four week course to improve my computer skills by going on this um, computer course. So I've got a weakness and I've done something about it. And it was all about not really telling them your weakness, but telling them something that could be considered weak that you then solve. So it's no longer a weakness anymore. Now, now what are your thoughts around that? And what do people really do? It depends on, you know, what, what industry that you're in. With sales, salespeople are good selling. They'll lie all the time, you know. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll sell themselves. They'll sell themselves really well, you know. Oh, I was on X salary. Oh, great. But... You know, you're forgetting that we're subject matter. Like as a recruiter, you're, you're a subject matter ex- expert at your field. I know how much you are earning. They're one of my clients. I know you're lying to me. Boom, disqualified, right? So, so, so it it it, it does happen. With in terms of weakness, that is a really great question. It's like dressing up. It's like dressing up. Actually, you have to be a chameleon with that. You got you got to get a suit. Uh, you got to let it suit. Um, I remember I've got this. Uh, Massive client down in Melbourne, yeah, like really big client. My client, the final decision maker, is very motherly, very motherly. You know, she's an older, older lady who's been around in the industry for a long time. She's an expert. Uh, you know, she is the OG, the original, right? And because of that, yeah, I mean, I, there is nothing. It's not a lie to be strategic, right? I'm not, I'm not telling my candidates to lie, but I'm telling my candidates, hey. Tell them where your weaknesses are and tell them, tell her, because it's true, you want her to mentor you through those. Boom, get the job. You have to be a you gotta you've gotta you've gotta play it a certain way. Right. So so some some employers might want that vulnerability and Correct. others yeah. maybe want to see a yeah. bit more conservative, for example. And we're not twisting anything, right? You're not twisting anything. You are saying, okay, this is the situation, these are the facts, right? But you tailor it to to the to the the, the person because it's that's being intentional right there. That's, that's literally the, the, the literally being intentional to to kind of get what you you know get what get what you want to go. And I think I mean ultimately sharing your weaknesses should help point you in the job that you actually do want. Do you want a job that you're actually terribly weak at? 
uh, you know, the most studies say focus on your strengths. Acknowledge your weakness. Show that you, you, you are self-aware. You know that I'm weak at this and I'm very strong at this because surely you want the job that satisfies your strengths. And so perhaps we, we shouldn't be afraid. No, definitely not. I like that. I like showing, me personally, I like discussing, you know, weakness, where you want to improve. I'm all about improvement. That's why, like, even on my own resume, I've still got McDonald's in there. And people are like, why would you why would you include McDonald's in there? That's like, that's seen as a weakness. It was just like a lame job. You know, you were like 14, nine months or whatever when it was legal, you know. But I'm like, no. No, I always tell every employer I've spoken to, I say, hands down, hardest job I've ever had in my life. It shows that I'm a hard worker, which I am. It shows that I'm, I've been abused by people a lot older than me, um, you know, verbally, and know how to handle really tough customers at the age of 14. There's a lot of things there that, that through weakness, I find a lot of strength, and, and that's what's got me here today. You want to be vulnerable. But that's why you talk mm. to a recruiter, and then if you talk to a recruiter, then maybe they can give you some tips. Hey, maybe, maybe we'll not mention this because this happened to that. that I, I know the full story. When you say that, um, even just hearing that, I feel like I can identify more with you. And it's kind of like we, we tend to bond more over our weaknesses than over our strengths, right? Because when there's strength, you kind of put, put a, a wall up, you, you're yeah. trying to look good, and now there's no real connection anymore. It's you know Everyone's got their, their drawbridges up and posing, looking good, but as soon as one person takes just a bit of a risk to kind of share something that's a bit more vulnerable, suddenly yeah. you're relatable. Yeah. And, you know, talking about a good impression, right? Yeah, and I like what you mentioned earlier as well about having another person to have a look at a candidate or, or getting ideas from other people. Because even just, I think, Mark, you and I were talking just the other day and how we, we were looking at this scenario where I think someone, for example, I think, Mark, you asked, and this is kind of going back to old interview, I asked him, what do you do on the weekends? And he's like, oh, I sleep in. And our perceptions of that answer was very different. As in, you know, I think one of us was like, oh, sounds like he's going to be lazy at work. It's like, no, to me, it sounds like he's working so hard all week he needs to sleep in, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so, so it's a common uh, question I will ask. I often like to take a candidate left field. You know, he's expecting um, the, the typical technical questions. And I throw, well, tell me what, what you do on a typical weekend. And, and this candidate said that, you know, I'm quite a boring person. I don't do much on the weekend. I sleep in. And it was really interesting. My radar went up. I, I, you know, I'm a family man. I've got young children. On the weekend, I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going 100 miles an hour. And you're telling me you sleep in uh, till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you're chilling out and you're so relaxed. And so my red flag goes up thinking, well, you're telling me you're boring and a bit lazy and you sleep in. I'm thinking, are you going to be like that Monday to Friday? Uh, and yet Devan had the complete, complete opposite. It's because I was a bit younger and I was still sleeping in <laughs> myself. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it's really funny, like in terms of left field questions, you know, one of the best uh, questions uh, to, you know, really take, really throw people off. But I think people are like, they've caught on to this, okay? So they've prepared something. Um, but um, you come in, they're to shake hands, everything's going well. And you're expecting them, you know, to go down your experience, right? All right, so recently you worked at, you know, Ecolab. And oh, before that, you were at here, you know? Uh, off you go. No. Um, one, of the, one of the best left-field things like, all right, uh, fantastic to meet you now. Um, uh, loving your resume and your experience. Now, can you tell me what's not on the resume? Tell me about, tell me about yourself. Tell me uh, something that I just wouldn't know. 
about you, something that's not in this resume. Whoa, that throws people. That throws people out. That Got them thinking, people. thinking on their feet now. They're thinking on their feet. They don't know what the heck is going on. That really helps. That really helps. But look, at the end of the day, right? We're all humans. We, we make mistakes, and it's like it's like. Let's not. I always tell my clients, you know, let's not miss out on a good candidate just because you spook them. <laughs> you know, discover them as a person, and then go from there. No need to be smart and clever. And this, know, this is an interesting comment because I do know uh, managers or bosses who really want to push a candidate. They really want to test what they are like under pressure. So it's almost like I'm going to drill this candidate deliberately. I'm going to push them against the ropes. I want to see how they respond when they are, uh, you know. Well, they've got to be prepared for that, you know, as well. Um, definitely, right? And, and it's part of that. See, that's part of that um, relationship that you have with your clients as a recruiter. You know, if they know who's, you know, it's like good cop, bad cop. Like, if they know that you've absolutely drilled this person, you don't want to scare them again. So maybe they'll, they'll and, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, I think people need to be able to react under pressure. So do it and, and to be honest with you as as a in in on my process where it's just before they go and, and meet the company i do do that of course because it's under pressure where you know the real person shows up right you get to see who they really are because you, you know you've got a very short time to really meet someone and you want to break through the facade you want to see who are you really who who, who are you going to be monday to friday when you show up for work not how do you just show up at an interview because interviewing is a very different skill to doing the job so it, it makes sense to get beneath the surface you know in some level but not holding it against them and they get flustered by it but you want them to to show themselves because that's who you're hiring you're hiring the, the, the whole self hiring the whole person so yeah it makes sense to me it's the song show me your true colors it's, it's your true colors and, then, and that's why i love you because i see see i can see your true colors and you know i think about public speaking i think about job interviews so often we go into performance mode oh yeah i'm i'm on show i'm walking into the job interview i'm looking my best in my suit had a haircut gelled up my hair if i need to put on my aftershave I'm walking in and I'm going to tell you how good I am. I'm going to sell myself up. How much of that performance aspect versus that, you know, here's my true colors, here's who I really am, here's my authentic self, is that obvious to a recruiter? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, you can really tell when someone's just trying to, like, put on a show as well. Um, but then again, you do pick it up early from – your industry, your own industry knowledge, and and knowing that you know maybe they've kind of lied a little bit here, or maybe this specific tenure here, you do not really answer that, you know, really well. I think there's something dodgy must have happened here. Ask a few more questions. Go back to it again, you know, off guard. Oh, why are you asking about this again? It's like, oh, okay, I stole money from the till, and that's why I was fired. Oh, there you go, you know. But I always tell, like, I always tell the candidates, lucky that you're making the mistakes with me. <laughs> you know, lucky that we, we've got this round right here to uh, really make all the errors um, because I do believe in you. I think you are good enough. And, you know, if you, you, know, if you want this opportunity, well, you're going to have to work hard. We'll prepare for it. And then, you know, I'll put you forward. Do a mock interview, you know, practice. You know, not, not everyone will, will, will be speaking to recruiters, uh, but you might have a cousin who was a recruiter. Or, you know, you might have a mate or, or things like that who's, who's been in senior management positions. Like, you know, have, have, a, chat, have a chat, get some guidance and, and never be afraid to, to really kind of practice 
or all of these things to know. I mean, it's it's always a, a, an on switch, off switch anyways. You know, you have to put on a show because you've only got one shot. But at the same time, like that, sh- you have to sh- put on a show about you, you know, not someone else. Mm. Um, I like and, that. Yeah. That, that. That's a really good point. Putting a show on about you, not someone else. Yeah. No, you have to put your best foot forward. Like, I mean, let's don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, if you want to work in a fantastic company, you're going to have to do that. Look, if... I'm always like, let the chips fall as they may kind of person, you know, and I truly believe in that. And it's like, hey, I really want to work for Microsoft, you know, it's like the biggest tech company, oh, you know, I want to work for Amazon, AWS, and it's like, hey, if it's not meant to be. The thing that I want to really stress, and I always tell people, like, especially candidates, this is that like, obviously, it's like the company's job to disqualify you. Like, okay, yep, that's this, is, and therefore, this is why, unfortunately, you're not right, or this is why you're right. It's a two-way streak. It's straight, it, that's communication, two-way streak. You need to disqualify companies too. That's why I'm sending you to this interview. I'm sending you to this interview so that you know whether or not you would like to, to work there. Forget, like, forget about it. You, there's, you have self-worth. You, you're, a very, you're a valuable resource right now. You know, as, If I don't show you enough love, I just want to let you know you're a valuable resource. This doesn't have to be it. If you want this, great. But then you could want this. Go there. Go there. Talk to the hiring. Talk to the manager, the person that's going to be mentoring you. Ask key questions. How am I, how are you going to mentor me? Uh, how many you know? How 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 am I going to grow under you? What what is there a clear uh, structure in terms of promotions? Important questions like this, which does not satisfy your demands. Well, guess what? You let me know, and I'll tell them no, because it's much better that you go into into a role that you have qualified for yourself. It's a two-way disqualification process. I'm glad you brought that point up. I think it shows a sense of confidence about yourself too, uh, and that it's not just about them wanting you. It's about you wanting them. There are other companies you can work for as well. And, you know, if you, if you leave the employee, employee with a sense of, you know, he was interesting, um, you know, he may have other options, that, that surely puts you in a better chance. It's that, that sense of attraction. Uh, it's, it's a bit like dating, you know. Then you know that you haven't got them for sure. It can almost make you want them more. Yeah, no, that's right. And could you, could you share the, your interview for your last role like how did what, what happened there and how did you approach that oh that's a very good question yeah so look i've been quite lucky um last couple of roles actually fair few now i haven't really applied for so it's just been um you know someone uh you, yeah, maybe headhunting me or, or, or a, a, a mutual connection or a direct friend or something like that who's like put me forward um that's no different to yeah this role that i'm with now with career one it's really funny that I'm really kind of glad. I'm really glad that, that that you mentioned that because I remember they were like, "Hey, can you come and meet with, with someone from you know from Korea One?" I was like, "Yep, let's do this." So off I go. I'm sitting there. Very first question: Why do you want to work here? My answer: Oh, who who who, who told you I wanted to work here? <laughs> I immediately put it back on them as to you know why I'm here and how I didn't choose to be here but I uh, very excited about technology very excited about where the company is heading and therefore the company has my time now and I've, I've changed the, <laughs> I changed kind of like you can say the balance of not the balance of power but just like made it more equal and then from then on I was just getting sold the opportunity really people really were just like no you should no it's good which I already knew anyways 
but it's true you know once you find that that's what i want what i tried to do when i was recruiting it was like i want to empower you so that you have that self sense of self-worth mm. and when that's there then you're not gonna it's not it's gonna be in a no-nonsense approach but hey let's face it some people think that they're worth a lot more than what they are as well <laughs> and so you know it's a balance there but look if you've got that self-worth then you're going to find what's best for you and and, and mm. if it's good for you it's going to be good for the company and the company companies need to be well they are getting educated on that they, they understand that you know if it's not meant to be it's not meant to be you know what as a as a business i'd rather have someone who wants to work here yeah i'm just thinking it's like it's one example where the candidate can use bias in their own favor right because it is that bias of confidence appears like competence right and if you appear to have options and are asking questions that make it obvious that you know okay i'm not 100 like i'm interested in this job and uh, this is where i want to be but i also have questions like i'm also interviewing you immediately it looks like okay they're pretty confident they look like they've got options they must be competent so it definitely is one way where bias can work in the candidate's favor for a change yeah, and I, and I can't help but think of the saying, people can smell desperation a mile away. <clears throat> so it's that oh, balance between yes. uh, you don't want to be desperate. Desperate's a ma- major turnoff, whether you're going for a job interview, whether you're doing anything in life. <laughs> Acting desperate is not very attractive. Um, and and that, that overconfidence, that arrogant person is equally a turnoff. It's like, mm. well, I don't really like them. So finding that right balance of self-worth, of self-confidence, having respect for other people, treating other people as you would treat yourself are all basic human principles that have been around for a long time. And I think it's, it's so important that we, we do that when we're going for a job interview or we're doing anything in life, really. Yeah, because I think just um, one thing, one story that comes to mind when you say that was I remember being in an interview and the person came across pretty well. Uh, it was fairly quiet spoken. It wasn't very um, loud, but you can see they were trying to appear confident, especially at the end. And they were like, uh, so how many people are going to be reporting to me? It's like, it's not a manager's role. Um, no one. And it's like, okay, and when can I start? Okay, that's a bit presumptuous. And suddenly, suddenly it's a turn. So it's, it's, you can't put it on. It, it is, is what I'm saying is it's not a matter of external confidence. It's about internal self-worth, really. That's where it stems from. And I think that's where the focus should be. You gotta know your lane. Like you just gotta know your lane. You know, like just certain roles not suited for certain people. You know, like if I was a uh, an engin- engineering style, you know, roles like like you know like you guys, I would die. I'm very bad at that, right? So you say you, you kind of you know you play to your strengths. You can definitely tell when someone's fish out of water. You know, really really don't know what, what's going on, and 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 they're just trying to put it on. So, so Marco, give me your top three tips for a candidate. Candidates about to go for a job interview, and what are the three most important things that come come to mind that you advise them in general? Well, the first thing would be presentation hygiene. I think that, that that's very important. You know, you got to uh, hygiene is very important. You know, um, being being clean and, and obviously during COVID, um, if, if if it's a face to face, make sure you take a shower. Like seriously, seriously, that's a thing. And yeah, dressing appropriately, as I was say, uh, saying before, to to the contact, definitely. You know, presentation and and, and, and hygiene is important. I think that the the second thing um, that that I would uh, re- highly recommend is obviously knowing who you are. It's okay. It's legal to do homework. Know your answers. Prepare for every spanner in the works. 
like it's okay like that you should do that you know definitely part of your research you should have the answers that that's it's going to be tailored towards therefore i bring value to this company right based on your experience because seriously people spend so much time and that's going to be that was my that's going to be my third point is obviously do research on, on on the company that you're applying for but people do so much research on the company that they're applying for they know like the name of the ceo cfo cto cc coo whatever like there's all the c's like cc's uh canadian club uh, you know it's like they know they know all the they know all, all the names and but they forget about themselves and then you get you're too psyched up you already know you, you you're expecting something and you're getting something else or how about how about this this time where you're working here <gasps> i didn't think about that but some people like to wing it you know some people go really well you know in the in the kind of the natural way but it's always good to be prepared knowing who you are and how you're going to contribute to that company and then yeah the final tip is do very solid research on the company you're working for because that's going to help you as well in the sense that, you know, is it a fit for me? Things like that. But that also will lead to having really good questions to ask. Okay. The interview process is a two-way streak. The biggest disqualifier is, is at the end of the interview when I say, that, thank you, you know, thank you very much for your time. Uh, was, was there anything? Was there anything else? Uh, was there anything that you wanted to ask me? And they say, no, no. I'm good. It's like, okay. Um, you don't even care about my company. You don't even care about my management style. You don't even care about the culture here. You don't you don't care about promotions? You you don't care about the kind of hours you're gonna be working? Like there's so many good questions that's gonna really qualify the company for you, knowing that you're engaging with that company, interested in that company, and then vice versa, they're like, Oh my goodness. Okay. But one of the questions I, I would I would I would ask is like Hey, company X, you know, you are, you know, one of, you, you know, you're trying to emerge or you're one of the leading companies within industry Y, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm loving what you're doing. I'm loving, what, you know, where you're going. But as we all know, you are one of, uh, you know, many companies in industry Y. Companies like, and you do your research, you, you name three or four of their biggest competitors. Companies like, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. What's your point of difference? You know, why should I work for you? Um, what, why, why, why is it that, that you're where you're going, your direction is, you know, is gonna, you know, excite me, as opposed to your competitors? What? Did you just put the? Did you? I'm the interviewer here. What are you talking about? Why? How could you ask me? You get, you get them on their feet. You get the interviewer, the employer on their feet, and then they have to now sell it to you, and have. I'm not gonna lie, I've used that for myself many, many times and it freaks people out and they like it. But the idea is that, as, as Devon was saying, you're not exclusive. You're showing competence because you are, you know, you're very well researched, but you're not exclusive. This is not an exclusive thing and we're just trying to see if we're right for each other. It's, it's very dating-like, right? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, have a shower, be clean, know yourself and know them so you can, you, you can ask good questions and, and show, ultimately show you're interested. Thanks for having this conversation with us, Marco. And before we wrap up, was there anything you wanted people to check out or, or you, any final thoughts you want to leave people with? Yeah, no, thanks a lot, guys. And yeah, look, we're always in constant communication, guys. I think if, if, if anything, this conversation brought up is that we're always communicating with each other mm. because of social media, it's 24-7. So 
let's be mindful and let's be intentional, you know, as to what the message, what what is that message you want to put out. I think that's how I'll, I'll close it. And how could people connect with you if they wanted to? What's yeah, the best no, um, look, um, as I was mentioning before, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It makes a lot of sense. I'm selling to recruitment firms. You know, everyone's uh, on LinkedIn as well as well as corporates. Um, so please, yeah, do um, add me, connect with me if you would like and, and, and feel free if you need any, you know, guidance uh, or, or whatever. Uh, please, please uh, yeah, uh, send a connection to Marco Seriati from Career One. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Marco. It was, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Candor Communication Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode. You can connect with us by visiting our website, candorpodcast.com, where you can find show notes for this episode, or you can connect through our social media pages on Facebook or LinkedIn. Also, please remember to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. It really helps us to get the word out. Thanks. See you next time.